Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today we do a full breakdown of the Patriots offseason and uh, give our predictions for what's going to happen in the 2020 campaign. And then we're also going to take a little bit of a close look into fantasy football as the NFL is finally back. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, O, H to the O, V. I used to move snowflakes by the O, C. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast for anyone who refuses to do their laundry on time. My name is Nick Mara, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can listeners reach you? Find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala and on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along with us on our Moving the Goalpost social media as well. They can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Cam, I want to ask you about the Patriots offense. What excites you? about what you can do in this offense? I think the most exciting thing is that nobody knows and you're still not going to know. So you just got to tune in and see. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's what excites me the most because everybody's kind of having the same questions like, what are they going to do? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Are they going to do that or do this? I'm not going to tell you. Hey, come on. It's almost game week, guy. You can't just, you know, let all the tricks out of the hat. So, Mike, we promised the listeners last week that we were going to do a, a Patriot-centric podcast for today's episode. Obviously, the, uh, the NFL season's right around the corner. Like, literally, we're talking about 24 hours away from starting. Mm-hmm. And um, you're a big Patriots fan. I'm a big Patriots fan. I think that football is the easiest sport to follow because it's covered so widely and uh, New England football fans, at least in our lifetime have been very loyal, very uh, intelligent about their team. And for the first time since Bledsoe are going to be challenged with uh, really not knowing what to expect. That's obviously because uh, Tom Brady left New England during the off season, signed a, a two year contract, $50 million with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also found a way to get Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement <laughs> and then be traded from New England to Tampa for a fourth-round pick. Uh, I, I guess that when that deal was made, people were like, oh, you're getting something for nothing. It's better than just having him sit on the sidelines and or not sit on the sidelines literally, but like just not play. And I'm like, no, if I'm in charge – I'm saying, fuck you, you cocksucking piece of shit. I'm not letting you play football. I don't care if I'm going to get a fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, that's not how it works. You don't just say, I don't want to play for you. And then when my quarterback leaves, say, oh, I want to play football again. Oh, wow, I got traded to Tampa. How cool. That, that was... was probably the number one storyline during the offseason that pissed me off the most. Mm-hmm. But 
it was it was a very 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 long off season for the Patriots. Just you know, I'll let you go now. <laughs> like, it's go. just this this year in particular. Like you had really nothing to distract you from all this whole off season. I mean, in pretty much the entire off season, if you think about it, we were put in the lockdown in mid March. So that's a month after the season. And then there were no other sports going on. Right. So there was no, no other sports to keep us entertained. It just felt like this offseason dragged on forever. And then on top of it, as Patriots fans, you were handed uh, Tom Brady, who said um, in that commercial for, for Hulu uh, that he wasn't leaving and then left. Um, and again, like you said, uh, Rob Gronkowski going with him. I was actually in the other camp of – uh, at least you got something for the the no, the nothing that was going to come from Gronk just being retired. I also held the fact that I think that's a complete dickhead move that he that he pulled off. Uh, same page with you, where you don't get to just sit out and act like, oh, I'm so I'm so hurt all the time, physically in tears and pain talking about how football is, is the worst because it gave me so much pain in my career. Oh wait, Tom's going, Tom's, Tom, Tom's going to Florida. Yeah. Florida. Uh, yeah. 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 I'll be there. Like you can't do that. You remember, see Gronkowski is, is a very lovable. I'm guy. out on Gronk by the way, just in general. I, I would, I think to be honest to you, I'm, I'm teetering on being out by, on Gronk, but the Florida aspect does kind of make me laugh because I'm reminded to that sound bite when they were like, Oh, if you had a time machine, like what would you do? And he was like a time machine. Like, uh, you know, like I could just say like, uh, or no, 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 no. He was like, if you could have a superpower, what would you do? And you'd be like, Oh, I'd want a time machine. So that if I can just say like, go to Florida, I could be in Florida. Oh, <laughs> like, he got everything wrong on that one. But yeah, he, there's, only so long that you can play off that like lovable oaf character right it clearly didn't work for him in whatever endeavors he was trying to do post football because there were rumors about him being like the latest heavyweight champion for the wwe or he was going to be like you know the new vin diesel or dwayne johnson and star in action movies like the guy can't speak english yeah he can speak football but he can't have a conversation with people and there's a level of like, there's obviously a difference in your expectations between a guy like, I don't know, like Seth Rogen or a guy like Gronk. Like, right. Even though that, I don't know, I feel like their mentalities may be a little, <laughs> maybe they a might, little similar. They might be similar, but one's a professional actor and the other right. professional fucking football player. Right. And a lot of the athletes that you, you get the benefit of, oh, everybody thinks you're funny. You're funny for an athlete. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, a guy like Shaq. If Shaq, if Shaq wasn't Shaq and didn't have the career that he had, I don't think he's thought of as being as funny as people think he is now. Yeah, definitely. Peyton Manning, who I actually do think is funny, gets bumped up to, like, this guy is the funniest guy in the entire world. Eli Manning, same thing. They all, a lot of athletes get this benefit. Is Eli so, Manning funny? Well, people think that he's funny because he's he was in a couple commercials. He did Saturday Night Live one time. People, it, it's the same thing. Again, yeah, you're an athlete. Oh, you're now, oh, now you're upper echelon, like funniest comedians of all time. But like, 
we saw Gronk in different roles. We saw him in the analyst role at Fox. He was terrible. He was awful. It was it was hard to. I I remember his debut on that show. I I was actually cringing of how embarrassed I felt to watch him in that moment. Wasn't that like he walked out on the set in New York? Like they were outside, but he was wearing like this weird mock turtleneck mm-hmm. or something. If I'm remembering it properly, that might have been a later, a later one. That might it also may have been the one where they were like, "Are you coming back? Are you coming back? Are you coming back?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no!" Like, props to Kurt Menefee for like actually following up with those questions. Right. But the guy was full of shit the entire time. The entire time he knew he right. was coming back. Like, so being like barstool fans, uh, I. I don't follow his girlfriend, but I'm familiar. Yeah. Familiar with her. And she was saying all the time, any, any time someone would ask her the question, like, Oh, is he coming back? Is he coming back? She would be like, I literally do not know. Right. She wasn't saying no. She wasn't saying, I think so. She was like, I don't fucking know. Like this guy can't make up his mind. Mm -hmm. Like, and that to me, like, again, we'll get into the Patriots, but for now we want to at least talk about, you know, the, the two biggest departures this organization has ever had. Right. Just to put it bluntly, it's the, the greatest player in franchise history and maybe the second greatest player in franchise history. Uh-huh. Definitely the greatest tight end in franchise history. Um, no disrespect to LG Crumbler, of course. Or Daniel Graham. <laughs> the corpse of Benjamin Watson. It's just you, you're a, the best quarterback of all time and arguably the best tight end of all time in the NFL. Yeah. And they both left in the same general offseason. The, the, but it's the optics is that they left together. Right. It's that they didn't want to play here anymore. Right. And that's why it's a whole everybody versus, versus Bill thing. And this is the year where it's finally going to come to fruition. This is what everybody's been talking about for 20 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is definitely the number one storyline going into the year. And, and I think what, what the season is going to be about. Like, I think Tampa probably has an outside shot of competing for a conference championship. New England's got an outside shot of making the playoffs. Right. Maybe not an outside shot, but if they win in the wild card round and make it to the divisional round, I would say that their season's a success. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And that's, and that's pretty much all from Belichick. Right. You have to give him that credit. And I've said in the past that Bill gets them into the playoffs year in and year out, but Brady was the difference between them winning championships and just being like the Colts mm-hmm. where, all right, we're going to win our division. We're going to go 14 and two. We're going to get a first round by, and then we're going to be one and done. Like that was the difference between the two and why they worked so well together or they fed off of each other so well, because you had that, that long-term outlook planning, Every single decision is made with a purpose in Bill Belichick who could get the 53-man roster all on the same page. But when it was not cutting time, it was the players that had to perform. And again, coaches win them or uh, players win them, coaches lose them. That, that's Belichick's mentality when it comes to, you know, giving credit where credit is due. Brady made the plays more times than not. This is going to be like, all right, can Bill get them into the playoffs? If Bill gets them into the playoffs, he's successful. But if Brady wins a fucking Super Bowl with Bruce Arians as his coach, oh, oh, four hours. I may need to call my doctor because it won't go down for four weeks. 
Um, no, but I mean, the, the off season was, was interesting. And then, well, first of all, do you have any, any like, not closing thoughts, but any, any other thoughts on the Brady Gronkowski departures? Uh, I think it looks bad for Bill. And that's what it's going to end up being is people are picking sides. That's what, that's what's happening right now. And that's kind of what's happened. Like I said, over the last 20 years, um, I just, I just question your fanhood if that's a thing or your, where your allegiances lie. If you are truly, now you can say you're going like, you're going to root for Tom Brady while he's in Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. but there's another level of, Oh, I'm, I'm, with Tom, like right. you're not still with the Patriots, like right. that's a problem, um, and I think you're going to see a lot of people, a lot of people leaving. It's it's interesting. Yesterday, I was at the liquor store and there was a, a car pulled in with a a T Brady license plate. Like, what does that person do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do these people do now? Like, I I, I don't know. You tie your existence to, to one player so much. Who, who knows? It's and. You're, there's going to be a lot more eyes on what Belichick does coming forward. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, and that's a perfect transition into, you know, what I wanted to talk about with the the further offseason moves, which is you flash forward from that March seventeenth St. Patrick's Day of hell in Boston and and the surrounding parts of New England, where Brady says he's not coming back, and then within like an hour he's off to Tampa Bay. And then you flash forward to the draft. Now, New England had a first-round pick. It was a late pick. I think it was like 23, 24. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was right around there. Yeah, it was because I remember it being similar to around the same place that they had drafted Isaiah Wynn back in, in 2018. Yep, 23rd overall. And this is a team that has a lot of needs. I mean, their quarterback room was Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham. And there were some good quarterbacks available on the board. Like, obviously, uh, Burrow was taken, Tua was taken, who they were rumored to try and go up and grab if he was going to be available if he had slipped past, you know, a, a certain number. Right. Um, Herbert was taken. There were still some good quarterbacks available, like Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love is selected as the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers out in Green Bay. Maybe he's not ready immediately, but at the most important position on a football team, you're not willing to at least make an investment on a guy who has the potential to replace one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and you're in the exact same position except you're expedited by probably like two years. Right. All right, fine. You want to play Stidham? You want to play Hoyer and see what you have? Fine. But at least you know that you've got a guy who – you're preparing to get ready, and he knows, like, this is going to be my team in a couple of years. They're going to build this team for me. They didn't do that. Actually, what they decided to do was trade out of the first round into the second round because they figured the player we can grab at 23, we could also grab in the 40s because I think that's what they, they ended up picking, right? Was was in the 40s somewhere. So, all right, 37. Yeah. Probably should have just pulled up the fucking draft myself. <laughs> Either way, uh, when I heard about this this Kyle Duggar character, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. Second round, secondary player. 
uh, Lenore Rain. I've never heard of that, but I'm not a college football fan. Division two. Well, I mean, all right. He's probably bringing him in as like a specialist or something like that. He's a young player. He'll be able to work with him. He's probably got like a special skill set. Oh, wait, he's 25. Mm-hmm. Mike, they drafted a 25-year-old special teamer in the second round from Division II football. He's like three months older than David Pasternak. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are we doing? Like, re- honestly, this is the most important offseason this franchise has had arguably ever. Right. Ever. Because there were never expectations of putting a competitive product out on the field beforehand. And now your first move in maybe the most important draft in a decade or two is to take Kyle Duggar. Like, I I know that we weren't really, like, communicating back and forth at this time, but Mm -hmm. I'd love to know what your thoughts were on that selection and where they – honestly, where they stand now because nothing has changed for me. I believe um, I was pretty upset uh, at the pick. Uh, Belichick picking secondary in the second round uh, doesn't tend to work out too well. Never works well. And it, um, when I saw Lenore Ryan <laughs> and another guy who there's not a lot of tape on this guy, the scheme seems to keep happening. This is like when they drafted uh, Tavon Wilson in the second round again. Uh, when they had no idea who this guy was, basically they were not prepared. Right. Like Kyle Duggar was a known commodity, but he was a, he's a division two athlete. Those guys should be, you should be taking division two guys like mid rounds at the highest first and second, first and second round. That's where you're getting all your top talent. Right. That's where you want to fill out your roster. I hate the idea of trading down. And they do it all the time. Ooh. Okay. All right. Interesting. Why? The top talent's at the top of the draft. Why Why are you moving down? Uh, to accumulate assets. Because I am actually a big believer that football is, is, is the type of game that careers are so short. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it, if it's the horse pony argument, yeah, I'd rather have the horse than the three ponies. If you can if you no doubt 100% are like, yeah, we're going to go in and, and f- isolate this guy, go up and grab him. And he's our guy. like, they did with Hightower and Jones back in, in 2012. Right. Um, like th- those were moves where they clearly were like, all right, we're not dicking around. But if you're more looking to fill spots and positions and not f- find like specific guys. Right. I don't mind the, the trading down. Trading out of the first round, I'm not okay with. But yeah, the acquisition of a fucking Division II safety, 25, it's the 25 years old, but that <laughs> pisses me off the most. They're drafting like, players that are my age, like, and that doesn't happen anymore. Right. <laughs> this guy should already be in like his third year in the league. Right. He just fucking finished college. <laughs> I don't even know if he graduated. What did he go to school for like 10 years? Like No, literally. So, all right, let's say he was 18 when he started. So he was in school for seven years. Division two school for seven years? You only have four years of eligibility in the NCAA. <laughs> what the fuck was he doing for the other three years? It's, uh, it's definitely questionable. I, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand. My biggest problem is I thought their biggest need going into the season was pass catchers. Mm-hmm. 
that's what everybody told me. That's what I thought looking at their roster. And this is a year when you have a lot of talented wide receivers in this draft. Maybe a generational draft for that position. Right. So not only do you – like, I get it. Players get taken before before they're ready. C.D. Lamb was taken already. Henry Ruggs was taken already. Justin Jefferson goes the pick before them. Jalen Rager already went to the Eagles. There are still guys out there. There are still guys like Clemson's T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Uh, who's the guy we talked about a couple weeks ago who you didn't know? Uh, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. <laughs> Do you know who Devin Duvernay is? I know the name Devin Duvernay. I just in don't know my, who the... In my franchise, I drafted him for the Patriots in my fantasy draft, and he's mm-hmm. my slot receiver. He's a fucking stud. In Madden, but... Right. I mean, he's maybe he's kid, good. He's from Texas. He was like a third-round pick. Yeah. It's just... But, it's just like there are there is talent. The top end talent is typically at the top of the draft. And yeah. if you're going to if you're starting over, quote unquote starting over, because I know they're not technically resetting or or doing a complete overhaul, but the face of your, the face of your franchise is gone. It's an it's in all intents and purposes a new team. Yes. You need to find the star level players. And yes, you may find some of them in the second and third round when you trade down. The chances are lower. That's just that's just the way it works. Is your chances of getting a, a high level pick, especially when Bill Belichick's picking in the second round, which for some reason he's incapable of doing. Horrible. It's it's just it's infuriating to me that they continue to trade down. There were a couple of selections though that I did like. Like I'm a fan of the Yuchi selection, also in the second round. I think the the possible dynamic of him teaming up with Chase Winovich on the other side as as edge players, both Michigan alums, um, could be fun. Mm-hmm. Could be fun to see. I'm also glad that they they did draft some form of a pass catcher with Devin Asiasi and then Dalton Keene, but I guess Keene might be more of like a fullback flex player, and Asiasi yeah. is more of the tight end. Either way, you're you're not getting the same output as you got from Gronkowski and other tight ends that New England has had in the past because they were freaks of nature, absolute Mm -hmm. freaks. You're not replicating that. But one of the, honestly, one of the more exciting picks and and picks that I was looking forward to the most was because he went to the same school that I did was Justin Rohrwasser, the kicker that they picked in the first, in the fifth round. So once again, not only are we going to select the first kicker in the draft, we're going to select the first kicker in the draft in the fifth round that nobody's heard of. That started at the University of Rhode Island. The last fucking, well, I think two players are actually drafted out of URI this year. Uh, One of them was a receiver, and there might have been another receiver that went to the combine, but URI is not a very good football school, long story short. So this guy leaves the University of Rhode Island as a kicker to go to um, Marshall. Madrid. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I was talking when you said it. And I'm, I'm sorry. Fuck. Chad Pennington, Randy Moss in mm-hmm. Virginia. Yep. Marshall. Thank you. I'm just glad that I was able to work my way through it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, you were getting there. So he, so he transfers to Marshall. And... There's a single video of him making a game-winning kick after being iced in a rainstorm. 
that must have gotten Belichick's pants so tight that this guy just had to have him. And then we find out, like, he's got this tattoo that he didn't know anything about, and there was this whole drama, and he starts crying in an interview or something like that. Well, either way, didn't make the team. It's This is the whole I'm smarter than everybody mentality that kind of – it irks me a little bit about Belichick more than I feel like it irks most people that watch. It's like when you need a kicker and you look up the top kicking prospects, you know where you find Justin Orwasser's name? It's not there. Not on the list. (laughs) Because if you go and you look up the top six kickers from this last draft, he's not there. And they took the first one and used it on him. I can tell you, I think there was one kicker drafted this year. So you could have gotten him undrafted. And then you want to talk about the mid-round picks that Belichick always raves about how important they are, mid-late-round picks. You could have saved that fifth-round pick, maybe done something with it, traded it if you didn't want to to move somewhere else. There are so many other options, but you picked the kicker who, oh, he had experience in URI, so he's been playing in cold weather, and he knows what it's like to play in, in the rain in that one YouTube video I once saw. Yeah. It, it's it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Pick the best guy. Everybody in, like, big fans of college football, big fans of the NFL draft, knew going into the draft, there was Tyler Bass from Memphis, and there was Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia. Right. And those were the two names. And everybody was like, well, well, not a lot of people are, are super excited for kicker prospects. Actually, so- this year they were because <laughs> Blankenship, look, you needed a kicker. Right. Gostowski wasn't coming back, and Blankenship was the goofy bastard from Georgia with the goggles that everybody fell mm-hmm. in love with when Jake Fromm took them to the national championship like three or four years ago. Right. So and people did know who he was. So people, people knew who he was, but like it's – I just don't get why you have to always – make it so much more difficult for you. Why you have to find these diamond in the rough type guys like, Oh, like he's going to find the next, like Tom Brady as a kicker. Like, Oh, I picked this guy out of nowhere. I knew I saw everything in this kid. He was going to be the best kicker of all time. Like, no, that just doesn't happen. Like go out, pick the best guys for the job. You don't have to go looking for D two safeties. You don't have to go looking for the Tavon Wilson's of the world. You can go get, NFL-ready Division One SEC college players and bring them into the, the league, and they're ready. You don't have to go draft, like, the 8th and 10th best tight end in the draft instead of sticking it in your second round and taking one of the guys then, yeah. the guys who were actually touted to, to be actually decent in this draft. But, so, but no, you, you, you wait around, you move down, you, you trade your second-round pick last year for – six games of Mohamed Sanu and now that's a complete waste. Right. And it's just decision-making. It's the in bill we trust thing. And I subscribe to that at some points when it's, I feel like I take it like when things are going well, I'm like in bill we trust. And then when he makes me mad, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing guys? Like that's how the world should be. (laughs) Well, sorry. So let me ask you a question then. Do you think that the Patriots had a plan this offseason? Like if, we, if we go all the way back to late April, early May, did the Patriots have a plan for their offseason? Did they have an idea of what the team was going to look like and the moves that they made or the moves that they decided not to make were indicators of that plan? 
I think they went into it with a plan, and I'm not sure it all worked out the way they expected it to. So what do you think went wrong? I think their plan was to have Jared Siddham become become the guy. Ah. I think that I think that was their plan, and Which... uh, hasn't exactly lived up to what we expected. Right. Um, and you were able to sign Cam Newton for not exp- an unexpensive contract. Um, but it, I think they did have a plan because I think, I think they knew Brady was gone. Obviously, Belichick knew that, and Belichick pushed him out. And it's like there, there has to be something there. From all the years that I've watched this guy coach in New England, he's always been the guy who's been two steps ahead, playing, playing. This guy's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Like, but it was that, true. Right, and that's always been what it is. So I have to expect that he had a plan. But when it comes down to it, and when you look at the roster, you're like, how is this the plan? <laughs> you know what? Maybe the plan didn't necessarily work out. Because I agree. I thought that Jarrett Stidham was going to be the guy. And there's always this, this whole like media cartel conversation that people have about the Patriots because Belichick doesn't offer up any information during the press conferences. Mm-hmm. So when things leak out, they're usually leaking out to the national reporters like the Schefters of the world, or, um, you know, he's got some pretty close relationships with some other guys that, that are national coverage uh, or provide national coverage. The local guys were all on Jarrett Stidham saying like, no, they like him. He does this well. He does that well. His senior year in college, he had a bad offense. That's that's why he uh, you know struggled and and was picked in the fourth round. Otherwise, he would have been a first round pick. Like the excuses for him were longer than the fucking receipts you get from CVS. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he like disappears during the off season while Brady's putting up videos on his Instagram stories about working out in his backyard, literally looked like a bullpen. Like there was so much grass there where he could take like a seven step drop and throw the ball, like maybe 15 yards. Like there was nothing there and he's working his ass off and he's sweating and he's doing his thing. And I, I am also one of these guys who says, just because you take a video of you working out, doesn't mean that it's actually effective. Right. Which will come full circle when we get back into Cam Newton. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, Stidham just is like, yeah, I'm going to go uh, go back home to Texas. I'm not going to fly. I'm going to drive <laughs> from Providence to fucking Texas for like a two-week stay so that me and my wife can attend weddings and then come back and play football. Like, I get it. It's the off-season. You don't need to be completely dedicated 100% of the time especially if you're a second-year player. But if you had a conversation with management and you had a conversation with your coaching staff and they were like, Jarrett, look, we like you. We know that Tom's gone. We're going to re-sign Brian so that there's a veteran, you know, in the room that can help show you more about being a professional. But we really want you to take what you learned from Tom last year and sort of go forward with that. I guess maybe the problem is Brady wasn't as dedicated as he had been in years past. So he probably didn't, Stidham didn't really see all that, that hard work and that extra time that, that Brady would normally put in, but it's just sort of a lack of awareness. Yeah. And at that, at that position, whether it's on the field or off the field, if you're lacking in awareness, probably not a good sign. 
No. Um, and you, you all, on top of that, you lose like two of your best linebackers and another another captain in Landon Roberts, mm-hmm. and just it all boils down to like, how is this the plan? Uh, like when I look at the roster today, the fifty three came out this morning. Mm-hmm. The initial fifty three, like, how are we going into the season? The initial fifty three with no kickers. Yeah, <laughs> the initial fifty three sans kickers. It's great. It's a great time. I, I mean, I'm all in. I tweeted this last year, and I retweeted it yesterday. I retweeted my own tweet. It's like the the most selfish thing you can do. That's okay. Retweeted retweeted my own tweet. It says I'm all in on no kickers. I'm all in. <laughs> Two-point conversions and, and go four on fourth down every time. Make it happen. I, I, I get it. I do. But at the same time, it's just like there were two positions that this team had pretty much guaranteed for nearly 30 years. Mm-hmm. It was the quarterback. You had two quarterbacks and you had two kickers. You went from Bledsoe to Brady and you went from Vinatieri to Gustowski. And you didn't have to worry about either of those positions for like 30 years. Right. And now all of a sudden everything changes. And is kicker like a super duper important position? <sighs> not the way it used to be. In the important moments though. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. I mean, I'm not devaluing the position altogether, but I think that we're finding teams are opting to go for it on fourth down and go for two point conversions more often because these kickers that are coming out of college are all, mental midgets Mm -hmm. they they can't make big they can't make normal kicks ordinary kicks uh let alone the big kicks so but if there was a glimmer of hope for this patriots team it would be coming in the form of of their biggest offseason acquisition replacing tom brady we now know the heir apparent for at least one year (laughs) former nfl mvp cam newton which if you had told me four years ago that Tom Brady was going to leave the Patriots to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then Cam Newton was going to be your starting quarterback, oh boy, I probably would have thought that you were on some serious shit (laughs) because that was just in all unlikely circumstances. So I think think that they did have a plan. Their plan was Stidham. Stidham didn't work out. Now they've got no plan. They want to be competitive. They don't want to tank at least not to the same levels that Jacksonville's tanking. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be shocked if things get off to a rocky start and they're like, yeah, I mean, we could use a top five pick in this draft coming up. I wouldn't I, be shocked. I, I wouldn't be surprised if like the thought crossed their minds. I just don't think it's in Belichick to go out like and his purposely. DNA. Yeah. I don't think it's in there to like go out and person purposely lose games. It's like, in my mind, Belichick is only still coaching because he wants Shula's record. And if you take a, a season of tanking, that's another year that you're going to have to keep coaching. He always said that he wasn't going to coach into his 70s. And, I mean, you're right there, buddy. You're on yeah. the door. <laughs> right. Like, you're, you're at the two-yard two yard line. Are you, going, are you going to hand it off to Marshawn Lynch or are you going to throw the interception? Like, what, what are you doing here, guy? Yeah, I mean – like I said, I, I look at Belichick as this long-term tactician. Like, he's, he's always got a plan. Mm-hmm. So maybe his plan is more of like a three- or four-year plan and not a one-year rebuild and, you know, let me try and get another season of double-digit wins 
to chip away at Shula's record. Like, I also think that having that seventh team, that third wildcard team, is going to make a huge impact because much like we've seen with baseball recently, a lot of these teams are going to think that they're in it for the majority of the season. They're not going to be, you know, trying to, to basically say, all right, the season's over. We're not making the playoffs. We're mathematically eliminated. We want to take a look at our young guys. We want to improve our draft position. We want to, you know, they don't really sell off that much in the NFL because the, the trade deadline's so early, mm-hmm. but I could certainly see that being the case with the Patriots where they get off to a rough start. Newton's frustrated because shocker. I don't think that he's going to work out. I don't wow. work out in the classic sense where he fits in. I think that they're going to have to really change things up on, mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball to fit his skill set, And we don't know what he's capable of. Right. I mean, I haven't seen him throw a pass in any aspect yeah. other than like warmups. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, he's not going to be a problem. He's not going to be like this vocal guy in the room who's causing issues because he's not getting his or things aren't going his way. Like he can't afford to do that. He's playing for his NFL career at this point. Right. And he knows that if he trusts the coaching staff, that he'll be put in a position where he can have a continued NFL career. Maybe he's not going to be making $30 million a year, but he'll have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, it's the optics with Cam Newton and me. When I see him dancing while the team is stretching, this is going to, this is get off my lawn one one yep, This is big Felger master. It is though, but it is like, Buddy, you can't fucking stretch. Like, I understand Bob Wiley, the old offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns, was like, fucking stretching, all this fucking stretching. What you get to stretching for? Like, you, we won two World Wars. You think those soldiers were running across the beach of Normandy worrying about fucking stretching? They was doing push-ups, sit-ups, running the mile, and jumping jacks. It's a pretty like, good Bob Wiley. <laughs> Rhode Islander Bob Wiley. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of think to myself, well, I hope he stretched beforehand. Because if he didn't stretch before, if he didn't stretch beforehand, and he's not stretching now, and he pulls up lame with like a, a hamstring, or like an Achilles or something like that, then can we point the finger at him? He's there every day. He's, he's there the first day. one there. Yes. Okay. That's what everybody's saying. And he he's- loves, and he loves to put all these videos out on Instagram. <laughs> like, let me put my sweatsuit on. I'll get my hooded, you know, hooded sweatshirt and put all the. Let me sweat like a motherfucker and just get on a bike. And just ride that stationary bike. It's like fucking Terrell Owens. It really is. It's all for show. He's working. He's working. He, and he's never, it's Mike, there's, there's never been a point in his NFL career where anybody has ever doubted his work ethic. It's not his work ethic that I'm concerned about. It's his heart. It's his commitment to football. Like he may just be one of these guys who loves working out. But he's saying it over and over how many times he wants, he, he wants to earn that respect back. He he wants to be the best quarterback he can be. He's he said it like a billion times this offseason. And you know who else is putting videos of themselves working up? The fucking old guy down in Tampa Bay. Right, but <laughs> He's the doing old the guy, same thing. Right, but uh, and again, like it's not. It's all for branding and optics and whatnot. Like we all know that. Mm-hmm. But 
the old guy in Tampa Bay is at least doing football shit. He's not riding a stationary bike. I don't know. He's doing a lot of, I'll a put lot of stretching. You. Yeah. Well, all right. But okay. He's stretching. Cam Newton's not stretching. I would argue that stretching is an aspect of football. Bob <laughs> Wiley would not. Cam Newton <laughs> might not. But I think, um, I, I think the, the main difference between the Patriots this year and in Patriots teams of, of you know, yesteryear is this, this is going to be a team that's their personality. They're going to allow to be themselves it's mm-hmm. you no longer are going to have that individual superstar the leader of your team that is management and mimics a coach on the field and holds everybody to that standard i think cam newton's going to hold people to a high standard though i do i because i think that he is he wants to win um i just don't know if he loves football i don't know and that's what Belichick always says is he wants guys who love football. Yeah, I guess. I, I would assume that if Belichick signed him, he would have that inkling, at least that he thinks that he loves football. I mean, the conversations that they had leading up to it, I would certainly hope that that topic came up because if, if you're basically, and this is the other thing, why didn't they sign him earlier? Like, did they really just, think to themselves oh nobody's gonna sign newton we're gonna be able to get him for a song like in the last week of june or may whenever it was again i don't i don't think that was the plan at all i think it just happened to work out that way like you start to see what jared's doing in the off season you maybe you don't agree with his decision making maybe you don't agree with what he's doing or or how he's looking in the these throwing sessions that he's having and and you make a call and i mean if cam newton's still out there and i'm and i'm a team that doesn't exactly have a, a quarterback plan ready to go, especially if it's something that I went into the off season with like a fourth round pick who, who knows what could happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm for, going after Cam Newton every time. Yeah. For $2 million. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I go and after fucking Blake Bortles for $2 million. The, the real thing, if you look at it, remember Brady's demeanor last season. Mm-hmm about how he was all negative and you could tell he was upset with the, the weapons that he had around him. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's on the field for new England this, this season. They go out in the, the huddle. He looks to his left. Julian Edelman, Demir bird to his right. Gunnar Olszewski, Dalton Keene, Devin Asiasi. think that's uh Think that's getting a good reaction on old TB12? Absolutely not. No. I don't think he's standing for it. Cam's going to go out there. He, he knows what he has the ability to do. And now we're going to see if he's going to be able to pick guys up. What I'm excited about this season is every year of watching Brady, I knew that there were no young guys who were really mm. going to catch on. Like, that's not something that happens. He just didn't have the trust in them or whatever it is. He just didn't have the confidence in these young guys to make their to go out and make plays cam needs to make plays with whoever he's put on the field with so that's what i'm excited about now maybe you start to see more of a development from guys like uh like the Nikhil harry's like the jacoby myers like whoever it is well it's jacoby myers that i think i'm most excited about because the connection that he had with stidham in training camp last year and then in the preseason games last year like i think i said it before in this podcast 
Jared Stidham's the reason that Jacoby Myers has a job in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He just is. And then it didn't work out real well with Brady. Is it going to work out with, with Cam? I, I don't know. That's to be determined. Things are so unpredictable because we don't know what their off, offense is going to look like. Is it going to be a read option type offense? RPOs, mobile quarterbacks, getting him out of the pocket, you know, giving him an opportunity to make plays? Or is it just going to be business as usual? And they're going to try and protect Newton with our offensive line, have him, you know, survey the field. He's big enough where he can pretty much see everything uh, and test his arm, test his accuracy. We're going to find out a lot about this team very quickly. Yep. It's coming right up. And they open up against Miami. Miami, the team that essentially ended your season last year. Like you lost to the Titans, but I think that game was lost before it even started. Right. Um, this could be a revenge game for the Patriots. They should be able to get up for every single game this season with a chip on their shoulder, saying to themselves as a team, nobody thinks we can win. How many years have they done this underdog story? Now you're actually the underdog. Oh, yeah. Now you're the team that nobody believes in. I mean, teams are picking you to, to win six, seven games. I'm picking you to win six or seven games. Yeah. Like, that. that's when you know it's a problem. <laughs> like, you are now the underdog. You go out and play like it. Like the the Rodney Harrisons in the past, the Devin McCordys now, that should be their motivation every week. You're well, getting a bunch of pissed off dogs, like Cam Newton likes to say. That's that's why the losses of of Hightower and Chung, um, like they hurt more for an in the room type situation. But this is this is very much going to be our glimpse into the future for the Patriots. Like. I'm stoked to watch the defense play. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, I like Jennings. I haven't really watched him play that much, but I like Anthony Jennings. I like Josh Uchi. I like Chase Winovich. I think that, you know, the secondary full of studs. I'm interested to see what Kyle Duggar can do. I like Joan Williams, Joe Juwan. I think he's probably better off as a safety down the road, but, um, you know, I just he, he was going to be a matchup cornerback no matter what. You can't have a guy that's 6'3". Like, that just doesn't work in the NFL. Unless you you're like Brandon Browner. Right, and Brandon Browner was like good for a couple years. <laughs> like you, yeah. you, have a couple, you have a couple years to stick around, make your name, yeah, and then you move to safety. Benefited greatly from playing in the secondary with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Darrell Revis, Devin McCourty, yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Chung, Duran Hart. Like, he had some good players with him. Exactly. Um. But no, I mean, so the defense last year was one of the best in the league as far as points go, yards go. Uh, Second half of the season, things kind of faltered off. Do you think that they can be just as good? I mean, you're returning the defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore. Um, You're probably better in your front seven, to be honest with you, than you were last year because the players that you have now are specific type role players. Uh-huh. Like Kyle Van Noy turned into a good player, right? But it took him like a year or two under in the Patriots system to do it. Alandon Roberts was, I don't know, I'm, I can't say he was overrated. He's another one of these guys who's selected in like the sixth, seventh round. He's a run stopping linebacker. It's like yeah. it, his is he's lucky to still be uh, relevant in the NFL because his position doesn't exist anymore. Right, and then you know. <sighs> I, I think that there's just going to be a lot more athleticism up front. 
which is what you need now. You need edge guys who can get to the quarterback, and you need linebackers who can cover the middle of the field, whether mm-hmm. it's tight ends, running backs, you know, maybe not like your slot receiver, but at least clog the middle and get to the ball carrier to make the tackle. Right. Slow them down. I think overall, I'm, I'm, I don't think the defense will be as good as they were last year. Obviously, again, you talked about Roberts, you talked about Van Noy. On top of that, you lost Jamie Collins, who last year, the first half of the season, that guy was a defensive player of the year candidate himself. Yes. And then uh, on top of that, High Tower opts out and Patrick Chung opts out. Like those are key, key players in your, your, your box because even though even though chung is technically in your secondary that guy's playing low like Mm -hmm. that front seven that though your defensive box just it just got worse this offseason and yes you you did add a lot of athletic players i like uche i i'm not as high on anthony jennings but that's only because i've i haven't seen a ton of tape on him as much as i've seen the other guys yeah but like i'm a believer in juan bentley if you want to go back to what he did a couple of years, like what he looked like he was going to start doing in preseason. Mm-hmm. And again, it's preseason. It's different. You could end up having a Jared Sidham, Jacoby Myers, like type connection and then nothing again. But that guy looks like he's ready to step it up. He got named captain for the first time. It's, it's going to be a really interesting season to watch that whole group, but that, that secondary is going to be the ones to lead them. You just have to, you can't cover forever. So they need to get the pressure. And they, again, you lost high tower was probably your biggest pass rushing threat last year. Yeah. And, especially and, coming off, off that right side, you know, right. consistently was able to do that. And he's gone now. So you're going to rely on Winovich Dietrich wise. Like think about two years ago, Dietrich wise was like an up and coming pass rusher. And then last year they switched to the three, four and now they're now he has no spot on the team. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you're going to have to see guys step up this year. And I hope, I hope Winovich takes that next step. I hope Uche and Anthony Jennings can make that, make that jump to the NFL, but I don't have a lot of faith in the the front seven to be as consistent as they were last year. All right. You know, fair enough. Definitely fair enough. Uh, you mentioned Juwan Bentley. It's his first uh, season uh, that he was elected captain, I guess, according to whoever covers the Patriots and provides news updates, the team selects their own captains but there may be some conspiracy to that because there was one notable uh, player left off that list on the offensive side of the ball. That was uh, uh, Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman was not named a team captain. Cam Newton was named a team captain instead. And there's theories out there that say Belichick's actually the one that selects the captains. But if it is the team, then one of two things has happened. Either Belichick doesn't want Edelman to be a captain or the players don't want Edelman to be a captain. No matter how you look at it, it's probably not a good sign. I just don't know what the hell's going on. Right. It is, it's very confusing because if you think about guys who work, I wrote a story for, for Patriots Wired this week about uh, Julian Edelman's work ethic. It's, it's, that's the reason why he's been the type of player that he is. He wasn't a guy who had Calvin Johnson's height or speed or anything. He came in and he worked his ass off. And that's what we've seen him do throughout this entire year and throughout his entire career. It's just to see him not getting the recognition from either the team or the coach is surprising. And we, you expected him to at least get 
some type of recognition. They have so many captains, and you can't earn one spot there. That that does seem like a problem to me. Well, I guess there's not even a limit on the number of captains that you can have. So in the past, they've they've tried to do things even with certain number of captains on the offensive side, certain number of captains on the defensive side, and then a special teams captain of some sort, or maybe two special teams captains. So you balance things out. And uh, Andrews and White were captains. Brady was a captain. Those are your three offensive captains. Brady leaves. It's kind of tough for your quarterback not to be your captain unless they're literally like a rookie in the NFL. So you could say by default Cam Newton got it. I actually have an alternative theory. Go on. I think that there was a conversation to be had with Julian and either his teammates or his coaching staff, including Belichick, where they said, Jules, we know what you mean to this team. You are a captain. You are a leader. But for the optics and what it will mean for the success going forward, I think that we need to give the captaincy to Cam. Just so that it puts more trust in everybody involved in the operation. Yeah, and Edelman was basically like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I don't need to be acknowledged as a captain. It's not. But then you can go and say, like, well, why not just name Edelman a captain as well? Right. I mean, there's – we'll never know. We'll yeah, never we, know. We, we won't. But uh, the people who – and this is specifically for one specific person who happens to listen to the show. For the people who don't think that Cam deserves to be uh, a captain or, like – how it's some big farce that the the Patriot way is a sham now because because uh, Cam Newton got it after not playing a game. I don't think that necessarily is the case. Like how if you are there and you haven't had the opportunity to play a game and you've shown up and you've shown out at every opportunity, you're coming into the to practice you're the first one there every day everybody talks about it everybody talks about your energy around the team everybody talks about how you're you're building relationships with all the all your wide receivers and your offensive linemen and you're spending time during water breaks with all these different groups trying to make yourself more like relate more to everybody else around the team if he's doing everything that he's asked going above and beyond to become the leader of this team i don't see why that would be a negative why that would be a negative towards the patriot way or like if you're deserving, you're deserving. Yeah, it's the same I, thing like if, if Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and he hasn't had the opportunity to, to play down there, should he be a captain down there? Like, I think, yes, like obviously. Right. These are your guys who are going to be the leaders of your team. Your leader of your team is always your quarterback. So I would say in most situations, that person should win, should win your, your captaincy. Like you, you, know, shouldn't, you shouldn't be having like the apathetic quarterbacks. Like, if I if if Jay Cutler was my captain, I think, oh, that would, I think that might be like a little bit of a problem. But like the guys who are really mentally into it, at least from how they're acting, I think that should be that should be rewarded with that type of recognition. Yeah. Well, get ready because Josh Rosen is going to be the quarterback of the future. Josh Rosen signed this morning. No, did he? With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this league. Can't be stopped. Unbelievable. Um, all right, so 
let me ask you one final question. We got about five minutes left to go in this segment. Vegas came out with some odds the other day, like prop bet odds. Okay. And one of their prop bets was the, uh, the odds that Bill Belichick is the head coach of the Patriots week one of the 2021 season plus 120, meaning that the odds are in the favor of Belichick not being the coach of the Patriots in week one of the NFL season next year. Did you hear anything about that? No, that is oh, actually yeah. shocking to me. Oh, yeah. So, again, we've, we've established already that we both think Vegas knows something. And what? it's weird how they would phrase it. Too. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you. This is 100% accurate. Whether or not it was like plus 120, I, I don't know for a fact. But the odds were in the favor that Belichick would not return as, as head coach week one. The way that it was phrased, though, is interesting. It said, not the head coach week one for the Patriots. Now, that can be interpreted many ways. It could be interpreted as most people would probably say retire. All right. Uh, he could be coaching elsewhere. He could be taking a different role. Could be taking a different role, but I, I would still say that he's a coach. Like, he's, to use a Michael Felder line, like, Bill Belichick has a whistle in his hand. That right. He's always going to have a whistle in his hand. Um. What about suspensions? Uh, do you I, know I'm, something? I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't. I'm just speculating. And I'm trying to imagine a scenario where something happens and they're like, all right, fine. Now we can finally get this guy. And he's gone for like the first six weeks or whatever. Because it's just that, really interesting that you would phrase it. Chances Bill Belichick is the head coach of the Patriots week one of the 2021 season. Like, that's so specific. It is very specific. And I'm actually completely shocked that that was the case, that the, the, the favorite was that he was going to uh, not be here. That. That makes absolutely no sense to me. That's, that's what we do on Moving the Goalposts, Mike. We're constantly changing things. We're surprising people every second. You're su surprising even the hosts. Yeah. I, I, I actually don't even know. Like, unless they already have some type of suspension on the books, like, what would they even suspend them for right now? <laughs> like, uh, I'm trying to think, like, they already got the, the uh, deflate gate, or not the deflate gate, the spy gate to electric boogaloo fucking yeah. suspension they already got they already got those penalties coming but like i i don't know i got the only thing i could think of was that he'd retire like and i don't think that's i don't think that's coming up next year of the three possibilities he's retired he's coaching elsewhere or he's suspended i would say him being suspended is the most likely of the three so. yeah <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's, it is it's the my... most likely, but only because I think, like, the other two... Like, coaching elsewhere, I think, right now, is at a 0% chance. Next year. In... I would put it at zero for next year. I mean... Coaching... Retiring, I don't put it zero, but I put it at, like, 10. That, and, and being suspended, I'm... Who knows what could happen? So I guess it's technically like 50-50. I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. But you know what, Mike? It's going to give us something to pay attention to as the season goes along. 
now I'm now I'm nervous. Now I got to be looking up everything and <laughs> watching over my shoulders. Fi- final season prediction. Let's let's get your record. Final season prediction. All right. So I did have the Patriots winning the division. Um, I go back and forth between them finishing, you know, as low as eight and eight and as high as eleven and five. So I'll split the difference. I I think that Bill finds a way, even though it is it's a hard schedule this year, but you know, if you're taking home field advantage out of it, I think Bill finds a way of winning double-digit games again. I think they get to 10 wins. I think they go 10 and 6. I'm just not there. I just don't have the faith in the players on the team as much as I as much as I want to. Like I I want to believe that they'll be they'll be up there. But again, as I said time and time again, if Brady was still here, this roster still wouldn't go. I still don't think they'd go 11 and 5. Like I in the end of the season, I think they'll be seven and nine or eight and eight, and I think that that's that's pretty much their ceiling, and that's a lot on Belichick. Like he, that's him lifting them up a lot. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. This is gonna, it's going to have to be one of Belichick's greatest coaching years of of his career. Mm-hmm. You know, right up there with two thousand one, probably two thousand eight as well, the year that Brady was was injured. Uh, you make the case that 2011 he did a really great job because the personnel wasn't great and they went to the Super Bowl you could even say that in 2018 he did a fantastic job because the team just offensively wasn't great and they were able to change things around and win a Super Bowl right you know there's so many different things that we can talk about with the New England Patriots and and that's why I'm just so happy that football season is finally here we get to do waiting this. so long. We get to do this every week for the next <laughs> four months. I have waited for this day since February. Mike, my fantasy football draft starts in like 15 minutes, and I just found <laughs> out. I just found out. I have the number one pick. Oh, look at you. So... So where are you going? I mean, you got to go Christian McCaffrey, right? I feel like you have to. In in I I assist my sister. I'm like an assistant general manager of her fantasy football team. Assistant assistant to the regional manager. Or you know what I would actually say? I'm the head of scouting because I pretty much control the draft, and then she makes the decisions from there. We had the number two pick. McCaffrey was taken, so we took Barkley. Uh, I actually said to her. I think I would go receiver heavy this year because I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the running backs get injuries. Mm. I've also been told or heard through the grapevine go running back heavy this year because defensively the guys aren't going to be ready to tackle. So all you're going to have to do is hand the ball to someone and let them run around and they'll score 30 points a week for you. Mm. I I mean, with McCaffrey, he does both anyway. So right. Especially in your, if you're in PPR, like the, that, that's your guy. So typically, my league is is PPR ten teams. This mm-hmm. year, we, we've had a couple of opt outs. Wow. No, no pun intended. <laughs> it's even affecting the fantasy league. So. <laughs> it really is fucking COVID, <laughs> man. So we're an eight team league, which traditionally is mocked. Having an yep. eight team league, I tried. To I've been a, there. I tried to do a mock draft today with an eight team league, and it was very challenging because. <laughs> I realized that there were so many receivers available in the later rounds of the draft that 
I kind of shot myself in the foot by not selecting running backs early on. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I went through that process. Maybe it's going to change things up for me. Um, but yeah, where do you stand with, uh, with fantasy football? What, what, what are your uh, kind of plans going forward this year? I think that you said uh, that you've been in this league for a very long time. Yeah, we've been in doing this league for about 10 years. We used to be an eight-team league, um, which, like you said, isn't always looked – I think actually when we started it, we might have even been a six-team league, which is, like, not even existent. Like, that's not even a thing. Right. Um, but, yeah, we've been in this for a long time. And uh, I, I said last week uh, we haven't – we, as in my team, hasn't, hasn't always put up the best uh, displays. And, which has led to me having the number two pick in this draft <laughs> this year. Um, and I'm typically a guy who I, I know that everybody always says running back early. Everybody always says that. And I'm always the guy who's like, Ooh, Michael Thomas, <laughs> mine. Like that, that's me. Like I'm, I was always, I've been playing fantasy football since 2002, maybe. Damn. Like back on cbssportsline.com, which doesn't Damn. exist anymore. Um, and I, like I, I was always picking like always wide receivers first. Always. I've always been that guy. And now this year, I've been thinking, I'm like, well, I have to do something different. So I have the second pick. In my, in my league, you get, a, uh, you're, you get two keepers from the prior year. Mm-hmm. And you go a round up of where they were drafted last year, unless they were drafted in the first round, and then you can only keep them for the year. It's a little confusing, but I kind of get you, it. You can't go up from a first round pick, obviously. Right. So the kid in front of me had Mahomes as his second round pick last year, who is now his first round pick this year. Okay. So I'm taking Barkley, second overall. And from there, from there, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I'm leaning really heavy towards going running back first. The one year that I've won in fantasy, uh, I decided that that was the year I was going no quarterbacks. Like I was having a quarterback, but like I was streaming quarterbacks. Okay, yeah, I follow. So like I think week one of that year, I started Sean Hill or Jake Locker or somebody, and I like I went every single week. I was scouring the waiver wire, picking <laughs> no up shit. a guy, picking up a guy <laughs> randomly, playing them, and that's the year I won. Was the year I didn't have a starting quarterback the entire wow. year. So now now I'm starting to think like, is that just the key? Like you <laughs> you just actually focus on all these skill positions, and that that's how you end up winning. I I don't know. But running backs that do both things, you can never go wrong, obviously. Pass-catching running backs who are also dominant in the run game, you can never go wrong with. So So long as they don't get injured. Right. Johnson was many many a a fantasy participant's wet dream Mm -hmm. post-2015, 2016, and really hasn't worked out since then. Nope. And I believe uh, there was there was one year I think I drafted C.J. Spiller in the first round. I was Whoa. like, this is this is the guy. He's gonna uh, he's a pass catching running back. He's gonna be the best the best thing that's happened to Buffalo and since O.J. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't end up working out that way. <laughs> I mean, thankfully it didn't end up working out that way. But I know what you're saying. 
All right, Mike, so that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Moving the Goalposts. But again, as always, and I think I know what this is going to be, what's your final blow? What are you looking forward to this week, man? Football, man. It's back. It's been, as we said, since February. It's been five long months. It's been seven months. I just did math so wrong. It doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter. No one's no one's paying attention anymore. No, we're all no one's paying attention. It's football season now. We're we're all looking forward to that that Houston Kansas City matchup. You got the two highest paid quarterbacks in the league now that are going to be facing off against one another week one. No fans in the stands, which is going to be weird for football. But uh, the the game itself, you 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 can't take football away from America. I mean, you can, but it's going to be pretty damn difficult to do so. And people, people are always going to get up for these games. So having a great Thursday night game would just be the icing on the cake to bringing football back for us. 100%. So what are your, what are your plans for, for this Sunday then? Do you have any pregame rituals that you like to do? Uh, I don't really have any pregame rituals. Uh, the last year I kind of had a couple friends come over. I, got a, I live in my basement, as you can see. I've got a nice yep. TV on the wall. got another TV a little further down. I'll put one game up on the big screen. I'll put, uh, like, uh, red zone on the smaller TV and, and just go to town. Maybe make some buffalo chicken dip. Big on Ooh. buffalo chicken dip. Everybody, everybody make buffalo chicken dip this week. That, yeah, that'll be your homework. <laughs> Do on Monday. Buffalo chicken dip. Taste test review. Send it over this way. That's we'll actually have it on the pod. That's actually the, the speaking of Mondays. That's one of my favorite things about week one. My final blow, obviously, is going to be football as well. Um, I always look forward to the Monday night games because we get the double header, the seven mm-hmm. o'clock and the ten o'clock. Which wish that they would do that normally because there's nothing better than being able to watch back to back night football games. Yeah, and having one meaningful game on the East Coast and then one meaningful game on the West Coast. It's mm-hmm. like. It's kind of like what we've been getting recently with basketball and hockey. Like you get games all throughout the day and then you get back-to-back games at night that are like your prime time games. It's just, it's an idea I wish that they would do, but understand why they don't. Right. So. But anyway, again, we're, we're, we're all looking forward to the football season. We're, we're hopeful, fingers crossed, the Patriots are going to have a successful season, but no matter what happens, we're just glad that the sport is back and, we're looking forward to, to brighter times ahead where the 65, 70,000 people can once again fit into the stadium and cheer off their, uh, their asses for their home team, uh, whoever that may be. But again, we're at the end of the episode, Mike, and uh, want to make sure that the listeners remember to follow us on our social media profiles. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. And of course, always be sure to follow along on the Moving the Goalposts social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. They can both be found at Moving the Posts. Michael, till next time. Later, brother. Peace. Uh-huh.